Hello? Okay. Can you hear me? Let's go ahead and take our seats if we could, please. We'd like to uh, give the Griffiths as uh, much time as possible to uh, visit with us. And uh, we, this is a great opportunity we've had, uh, particularly even this week. We've um, On Tuesday night, a bunch of us met with uh, uh, Drew and Stacy Fraser uh, from Colorado, and they're with uh, Navigators, and they've been uh, in the Denver area for quite a few years, and that's Always encouraging to talk to those people that we partnered with, and and lo and behold, here's uh, the Griffiths this week as well from uh, uh, the Czech Republic with Team, and uh, I think we partnered with you for 20 years, 22. 20. Hard, hard telling. I mean, you've been you were supporting my wife. Oh yeah, uh, that's when that's she was right. in Moscow, and that's yeah. probably been 25 years with oh, that. 24. 24 years. Well, anyway, that's older than I am, so I I. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, praise God for uh, faithful servants like that, and uh, it's been an honor to uh, be a part of your ministry, and if you uh, would uh, minister to us now about God's work in uh, the check, we'd appreciate it. And uh, this is uh, Jeffrey Griffith and his wife Lisa. Let's see, Jonathan, Joshua, and David. I get them right? Okay, and they're a lot larger than I, uh, last time. So, so, yeah. so. Jeffrey, go ahead. Thank you Thank very you. much. Um, our ministry is making disciples, uh, whether it's church planting, church renewal, whether it's ministry and Christian education, uh, uh, international school, Christian international school. One of our focuses, our primary focus, is to make disciples. And just to read from you, from Matthew uh, chapter 28, once again, starting in verse 16, uh, it says, "Then the eleven, um, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee." to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That one always gets me. Here are 11 men who saw Jesus do every miracle, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. They saw him walk on water. They saw him calm a storm. And they, they experienced his death, burial, and resurrection. And it says some of them were still doubting. That that's that's a sermon for another time, but uh, it's really encouraging to me because when I have those days when I have doubts, I'm not a whole lot different than the 11 were because some of them doubted, even though they experienced all that. But going on, it says, And Jesus spoke, uh, spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Um, I'm sure you've heard it. If you've heard it once, you've probably heard it a dozen times, if not a hundred times. The primary command there is to make disciples as we go. <clears throat> and that's basically all we do. We just happen to do it in a different culture, in a different land. It's no different than the command that Jesus gave to each and every one of you here this morning. Go make disciples. That's a command for all of us. Uh, there are no exceptions to that command as a believer. Um, so I want us to look slowly at what does that look like in the Czech Republic. First and foremost, as we go, wherever we go, whatever we do, we want to be making disciples. I've got to get the right clicker here. That's what we look like about five years ago. This is what we look like now. My wife and three boys uh, were a part of the Christian International School of Prague. The boys attended there. My wife taught math. 
and our focus even in Christian education, in going to school, the focus is to make disciples. Uh, our greatest desire is to make sure that our sons themselves become disciples of Jesus Christ, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to teach them to observe, not just know, but to observe what Jesus taught. In a sense, we want to work harder. We don't always do a good job at it, but work at making them our apprentices as we follow Jesus, teach follow Jesus. Uh, Lisa has taught mathematics typically at international schools, Christian international schools. And the last year she was teaching there, she had a class that was kind of unusual. Um, how many students did you have again? You had, they had two, two students in that class. Neither of them were believers. And during the course of the year, she always opens a class with prayer. And of course, they're not believers, so they're not going to volunteer to pray. But over time, one of the kids decided that he wanted to start praying. So he volunteered to pray. And it got to the place where he started praying regularly. And it was just incredible to watch his growth, for Lisa to be able to see his growth and see what God was doing in his life. Well, it wasn't just Lisa, but it was the other teachers that did the same thing. And it was kind of like a, a community effort to disciple this man, this young man, uh, into Christ. And by the time they got to about halfway through the second semester, this young man had come to Christ. And it was through the process of learning how to pray, being given the opportunity to pray, and not understanding what it was, but just learning step by step, this is how I pray to God. This is how I communicate with God. Oh, wow, God's answering my prayers. That's amazing. And just things like that. It's step by step teaching them how to follow Jesus Christ, how to do what Jesus taught us. Um, one of the things that we we keep trying to do is we're always trying to learn and especially grasp from Scripture. What is it that Christ wants us to do? How do we make disciples? How do we ourselves become a better disciple? It's more than just information. It's not just knowing what Jesus taught. It's doing it. Um, when we look at Christ and uh, some of the things he taught, uh, we see that a lot of it is done in community. When you think Jesus was always with the 12, the 70, or 3. There's hardly a time he wasn't with a small group of people. So when he discipled the disciples, it was done in community. And community is a powerful, powerful tool for making disciples. And we'll get into what that looks like in Oopi, in the ministry initiative that I was involved with uh, while Lisa was involved with teaching um, in, in, in the city of Prague. There's a picture. The little blue country right in the middle is the Czech Republic. We're surrounded by Germany, Poland, Austria, Slovakia. And uh, yeah, those are, those are our, they're our neighbors. This is a picture you can see Prague. And just north of Prague, it's not real clear, but just kind of almost directly north of Prague, there's a little place that's called Kralupi nad Viltovo. It's only about 15, 20 miles north of Prague. Here you can kind of get a little better picture. Uh, you can see that there's lots of buildings there. Those are all palaces and castles in the Czech Republic. Per capita, Czech Republic has more castles and palaces than any other country in Europe. There's a lot of them, mostly due to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. In Kralupi, about 88 years ago, by a man named, we just call him Brother Roth, uh, he came to the city with a vision to not only see a healthy church established in Kralupi, 
but also through that church reach out to the entire region around Karalupi because Karalupi is the first train station north of Prague where the lines diverge into three different directions. They go east, west, and north. So it's a very instrumental city as far as transportation goes. So people travel into Karalupi, they catch a train, and then they can go anywhere they want. Europe, up to Germany, they can go down to Prague and then catch other trains to take them anywhere they want to go in Europe. But uh, the young lady on the right hand side, on your left hand side, uh, her and her husband um, are were members of our church um, up until October 14th when she passed away. She was 90 some years old and she was still attending her church. Her younger sister is still a member of our church. Uh, has a little trouble getting out. She still has she has to use a walker now to get around, but they are still there. Um, the thing that is so amazing for us is that um, when we came to Kralupi, we had almost the identical vision without knowing it. Establish a healthy church in Kralupi, then you can reach the entire region, the entire area around, around Kralupi, which is about 100 towns and villages with the gospel. That's about how many towns and villages are connected either by train, bus, or you can get to the center of Kralupi in less than 30 minutes. So in less than a 30-minute train ride, bus ride, or car ride, you're connected to about 100 towns and villages. So it's really a, an instrumental city. Uh, the best way to describe what has happened to the church in Karalupi since the time it was birthed back in the 1920s uh, up until 19, 1939, uh, it grew greatly through the use of small groups, small communities. Um, they saw on an average Sunday morning anywhere between 200 and 250 people in attendance on a Sunday morning before World War II broke out. By the time communism fell in 1989, they were down to 12. So it was as if communism came in and tried to destroy the church like you would try to, to kill a tree by cutting it down. But the problem is, is the roots were still strong. Those people, those 12 people still believed and still had strong faith and the church is continuing to this day and beginning to grow once again. And to me, to me this gives us a, a wonderful picture of the hope that we have uh, because of what God is doing in our midst. The train lines. When you think of a train line, I think there's two rails and there's two different ministries that you have to do in renewing a small congregation. Uh, the congregation that we have right now is kind of split. You have people who are 80 years of age and older, 40 years of age and younger, and a 40-year gap in there, the 40 years of communism, where no one came into the church, but most everybody left the church, either through the fact that they were called home to be with the Lord, or they moved away, or they just never came to faith. So you have two things you have to work on. Number one, you have to work on ministry within the body of Jesus Christ to, to make sure that, that we are in line with what Jesus Christ is wanting to do. Thing is, what do we need to do outside the body of Jesus Christ to bring people to salvation, to help them come to know who Jesus Christ is? Uh, just a few pictures of our, our town. As you can see, the train line cuts right through the heart of it. It'll go up to Dresden. This is the Children's and Youth Center where kids go after school for clubs. Uh, this was a flood. We had two major floods. We had two 100-year floods within a 10-year period. So <laughs> right there at the end, that little yellow building is, the, is an old synagogue that the Jews sold to the Christian churches in Karalupi because they wanted the building to, to remain as a place of worship of Yahweh. 
And so they sold it to the Christian churches, and we use this today for worship service. Not very large. <clears throat> so um, over the years, we've had challenges at the, at the little congregation because you have 40-year gap between older people and younger people, and almost all the people who are under 40 years of age are people who moved in. They're not related whatsoever to the people that, are, that have been there for 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, they don't. They they have to develop those new relationships. They come in from different church backgrounds, so sometimes there's a little bit of a difference in theology and how you look at at how you should do things. Uh, there's just all these differences, so it's taken a little time for us to to work through that. <clears throat> and in the process, the, there were times when I didn't have a ministry I could lead because my agreement with the church, the mother church, is that I will not lead a ministry unless there is a check that can do it with me. And there was a point in time when the three younger families were under such stress, financial stress, they were under stress because some, one of the guys was unemployed for almost three years, and all they could do was pick up part-time part -time work. And for those of you guys and women, women and men who have been unemployed for a long time, you know the stress that that puts on you and your family because you can't provide well for your family. Another, per another couple was planning to remodel their house. They bought a new house, and they figured they'd go in and do a few touch-ups like paint and stuff, and they could move in within about six months, only to find out that the addition on the house didn't have a foundation, and it was about ready to fall down. So they had to tear it down and rebuild it, and in the process, it ended up, it ended up taking them seven and a half years to complete the renovations and ran three times as much as what they were expecting. Uh, so you have these kind of challenges that hit us in Caralupi, in the small congregation. Um, uh, and there are other challenges that they face, but just some of those challenges that made it difficult for these guys and these women to be able to participate in any kind of a ministry activity, an outreach activity. So um, I went to one of the schools that the boys were attending. I went to Josh's school. He was a first grader at the time and um, asked if I could volunteer to do an English club. And so we started doing English clubs in the public schools. Uh, worked really, really well. And that was one year, and then the next year we came back on home assignment. And so when we returned in 2011, uh, school asked if I could continue the club. I did. Uh, about a year and a half later, one of the girls in, the, in one of the local schools asked if I could go and uh, interview for a teaching job because they were looking for a native English speaker to teach conversational English in the public schools. I really didn't want to do that because I've done e English teaching before, and you have to prepare the lessons, you teach the lessons, and then in the end what ends up happening is you don't have hardly any time to spend with the people that you've taught. And the key to good discipleship is spending time with people. You cannot get around spending quality time with people. If you want to disciple someone, you've got to be together just like Jesus did. He spent almost every day of that three-year period with the apostles, with the disciples, just spending time with them. I kept saying no, but they finally talked me into going in for the interview. I went in and found out I didn't have to do a whole lot of preparation. They would give me a, a, a theme, and that's what we'd talk on. We just, I'd go into class and we'd just start talking. And it was great because it gave me contact with about 400 students in a public school. The other thing that was really cool, too, is that they want to hear how do I celebrate Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. So I tell them why I celebrate those and how I celebrate those. So I get to tell them 
about my faith and about the fact that Jesus, I do this because I'm thankful to God because he has given me salvation. I am thankful uh, for Christmas because God sent his only son that whoever believes in him could have everlasting life. At Easter, I get to share how Jesus died and rose again that we might have forgiveness of sin and eternal life with God the Father because that's why I do that. And there is the freedom to do that and check public schools. And then we talk about it. We talk about why is it that I believe that? How in the world can I believe that? You know, you're an intelligent man. You have a degree. How can you believe there is a God? And when a student asks that question, I am permitted to answer the question. I don't have to be afraid. They, if they ask a question, then I am to answer the question in English because it's English conversation. <clears throat> so I have those. I had that kind of an opportunity in a Czech public school just to share my faith and to be um, a representative of Jesus Christ to them, to be a witness of his mercy and grace to the world. So it was a great thing. So, um, But a couple years later, uh, I was teaching in two schools. But we still weren't seeing hardly any fruit whatsoever. We weren't seeing anyone come to Christ. We weren't seeing a lot of kids interested in doing anything and then uh, 2014, I believe it was, Vladimir Putin invaded the Ukraine. And a team from Corbin University that was supposed to go to the Ukraine was not allowed to go there anymore because it was too dangerous. So they asked if they could come to the Czech Republic. So they sent us, we were able to accept them. They sent us a team of four, three students and a professor. We were able to get into six public schools with conversational English classes. We just go in and we talk, we sing songs in English, we always start off with making melody in my heart. You guys know that one? It's a real simple song, and it says, making melody in my heart, making melody in my heart, making melody in my heart to the king of kings. And then we do something like, thumbs up, and then you have to repeat after me. So ready, everybody? Okay, and then we sing, making melody, and then we go through all these motions, thumbs up, elbows out, and you do all these crazy things, and you end up making a fool of yourself by all these motions, especially if you're a teenager. You know, the last thing you want to do is be going like this, you know, <laughs> with your tongue out, making melody. But the key thing is what it does, the thing that's so cool about that song is it breaks down their inhibitions. Because that's the most stupid thing, the most embarrassing thing they will have to do the entire hour is the song. It will not be any more embarrassing if they make a mistake in speaking English. That's less embarrassing than doing the song. You know? And so it works. God uses it. And they get to sing about making melody to the King of Kings. And some of the kids will ask, who's the King of Kings? Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. And it opens the door to about Jesus Christ <clears throat> through a silly, crazy song with crazy emotions. And now every time we go back the following years, all the kids say, can we do the song? Can we do the song? <laughs> they were embarrassed to do it the first year. Now it's a tradition. Uh, but anyway, they came. We talked to kids in six schools. Um, we did five to seven hours of combination of conversation classes and PE classes. We would, do, we would teach them to do kickball. And of course, we do it all in English because these poor Americans don't know any Czech. So the teachers and the staff loved it because the kids were required, forced to speak English because the Americans don't know Czech. 
And these are middle schools who cannot afford to pay, typically cannot afford to pay a native English speaker to come into their school and teach. So for them, this is a big thing. This is a wonderful service to the community. We break them up into small groups, then of four to six kids, and you just basically start, hello, what's your name, what do you do? How do you like to spend your weekend? What do you do on your weekend? Things like that. So the Americans, when they are asked a question, they can tell them what they do on the weekend and why they go to church and why they believe in God. Because Czechs can't believe that a college student would believe there's a God, yet alone go to church and all these other things. So it provides a wonderful opportunity for There is a reason why we believe, and there are logical reasons. There's <clears throat> more than just a fairy tale book. It really is the Word of God, and it transforms our lives. It can transform us. So the next year, we had a few more kids. Oh, it was dangerous to be on this team because two of them got married. They were, they were, they were dating before they came, and the two in the front to the girl in the middle and the guy on your left, no, your right, <clears throat> they were dating before they came, now married. The next year's team, all women. Nobody's gotten married. <clears throat> so when I was out at Corbin University this fall, we said, okay, guys, <laughs> want to get married? <laughs> anyway, but three years in a row, and each year, the number of schools we visited increased. We went from six to eight this last year, nine. We visited nine public schools, three high schools, six middle schools, mostly in Karalupi and the surrounding areas, and south of Prague, which is a sister church plant of ours, <clears throat> and we talked to approximately 1,500 kids in two weeks. Those kids come from approximately 100 towns and villages surrounding areas of Kralupi and Nevakov. Uh, the thing for me that is so exciting is that this now means that any of us from our little church in Kralupi or in Nevakov can go into those towns and villages and the probability is very good that I will meet someone there who I had in a conversation in English class, or that the team had. Because they know us. They us, and it's a big thing for them to be able to talk to a Native American, and especially if they can do it in, in their own town or village. So we're hoping that God will use this as a base to help fulfill the vision that Brother Roth had 88 years ago to establish a healthy church in Karalupi that can reach the entire region. So what does it look like? Yeah, <clears throat> This is what it looks like when we break them up. This is the inside of a Czech school and just some of the small groups that we had. That was one of the larger ones. The thing that was really cool is the first year, after the first year, um, one of our partners, this is Petra and Veronica Tichi, uh, they operate Betel, which is a, a drug rehab center for, for men who are trying to break free from from, from addictions. It's a Christian center. She had been trying to get into the public schools with a Christian ethics workshop. And it, just basically an ethics workshop, but it's Christian-based. She couldn't get in. After the first team was here, they asked if I knew of any other things that would be good for the school. When I found out Veronica was trying to get into the schools, I wrote an, uh, an introduction for her that 
you know, I partner with them in ministry and things like that. Within 48 hours, three of the directors of the schools called her and she got into all three schools to do Christian ethics workshops. This past year, she's been doing it in two of the schools on a regular basis and the third school occasionally. So this is what happened as a result of the Corbin team. It opened up a door. It showed that the church is willing to serve the community, to do something good for the community. And in the process, other things are able to be done in the public schools that help them with what they want. They want good, solid ethics, and they know Christian ethics are good. So they're not afraid of them. So it's just a great thing. The following year, uh, Veronica and Yana Eflerova and myself, along with Veronica's two children, uh, we put together and started a middle school youth group. It's the first middle school youth group, Christian youth group, in the country since the fall of communism, which was 1989. 25 kids, of those 25 kids, five are believers. So we're reaching out, and they come from about four different schools. So we're really excited. Most of the kids come because of Cuba. That's her son, who also happens to be a Czech Christian rapper. He has written his own raps, and he did one. He did his set of raps at the youth group one night, and I about fell out of my chair because I haven't heard that good of preaching in some pulpits. And here's a kid who's a middle schooler who was writing extremely solid lyrics, evangelistic, and, and asking hard questions. Do you really want to be involved? You know, he's just doing that. So what was really cool for me was not only that he had these good lyrics, but almost all of his buddies could do the raps with him. Because he had done it so many times in their presence, they knew his raps by heart. So they were getting the Word of God in an unusual form, for some of us older folks. They were hearing the Word of God, and they were listening, and they were being, they were being witnessed to by Cuba and his, his, his songs. His sister, she's the one who's invited most of the girls. So you have Cuba bringing his guys, his sister, your part, bringing the girls, and that's, that's our youth group primarily. Looks very much like a typical youth group you would find in a church. Uh, the only difference is we have a program called Exit 316, which was done on public television, which was very evangelistic. And you pick a theme. They would talk about love, courage, um, all kinds of other things, other attributes or gifts of the Spirit. They'd do a thing on that. What does it mean to have joy? What do you do if you have a crisis in your life? And they would approach them from a biblical perspective. So it was a really cool program, and so that's what we use, and then use that as to, to lead into our discussion time. <clears throat> so that's just a few more pictures. This is our small congregation. As you can see, there's a big difference in age. When we moved there, we had 20 members, and about three years later, we were down to 16. So we were doing really good at church growth. Uh, most of that was because a couple of the members had passed away. When you have members who are 80 and over, you kind of expect that every year you're going to have a funeral or two. And then the other thing that was sad for us, it was, it was a, what the, also, is that two of our younger Mary members got married and moved away. So it wasn't because of any conflict or anything like that, but it was just because of what typically happens. We haven't seen much growth. Uh, previous to our going there in 2008, they had seen one student come to faith be baptized, and join the church as a member. 
In the last year and a half, two years, God has been doing a, about two years, God has been doing a mighty work in our congregation. Um, I was sharing earlier with someone that uh, it was almost as if you have three families. And if you have families, the, the wives would get along, but the husbands wouldn't get along so well. Or the husbands would get along, but the wives wouldn't get along so well. And so that was kind of like a description, a very broad, general description of, of the dynamics that were happening in our small congregation. But what happened was God brought reconciliation between all those families. They learned how to love each other and understand each other because we're all so unique. And sometimes when somebody's a little bit unique, it's hard to accept them for who they are and some of their behavioral patterns or just their idiosyncrasies. I'm ADHD, so a lot of people find that hard to handle that I'm so hyperactive. Um, they don't want to go out and run a half a marathon with me. I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> fact that I just tend to bring a lot of energy to different situations. Uh, they're calmer. They want it quieter. I grew up on a farm with tractors with no mufflers, so I talk loud, you know, because so, I don't hear well anymore. Uh, just things like that. But they learned even how to love a foreigner like me. And all those differences were reconciled. And we learned how to love each other and enjoy being together and appreciating those differences that we have. Then God helped us to see how do we show respect to the older members of our congregation? Because that was one thing that was missing. They knew we loved them, but they did not feel that we respected them. And so you do little things. Like for them, it's a big thing for me as a missionary or if I'm preaching especially to wear a suit and tie. That little thing speaks volumes to them that I wear a suit and tie. To the younger people, I could come in in blue jeans and a t-shirt and they'd be fine with that. But the older people, this is how you show respect to them. You dress nicely before them to show them dignity and respect because if it wouldn't be for those, their faithfulness through 50 years of communism, there would not be a church in Kralupi right now. They have a lot of respect. They have earned our respect by their faithfulness. And we are going to do everything we can from this day forward to show them every ounce of respect we possibly can. You don't forget their birthdays. You don't forget their anniversaries. Uh, you do little things for them that if they're not there, you call them to say, we missed you in church today. How are you doing? Is there anything we can do? 90% of the time they're going to say, no, there's nothing you can do. Thanks for calling. We appreciate that. But that tells them that we love and respect them. Just little things. That's what we learned how to do. We weren't doing it before, and we learned that. There's this unity and this oneness we have. And so our little congregation, in the last two years, we learned how to work together. So um, that's another picture in September, after we've been back here. Um, we started doing a thing called Christianity Explored. It's an evangelistic outreach to, to unbelievers to help them understand the core and the basics of Christianity. Vendula, who is in the white there with the glasses, she's 70 years old. Her and her friends, four, three, her, her husband, and two of their friends started coming because they were trying to figure out why is it that these college graduates who are intelligent people, who are, who are now doctors and nurses and, and have high-ranking positions in, in government, are, well, maybe not so, so much in government, but in businesses and stuff, are very successful They've got college degrees, and they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Why is that? They were provoked out of jealousy to find out who is this Jesus Christ. So they want to know 
because they're coming to the end of their lives and if there is a God, they want to make sure things are right. But they still weren't sure that there was a God. Over the course, it was supposed to be a, about a 12-week course. It ended up taking us about uh, 24. Uh, and they didn't mind that because they enjoyed just being together with us and we enjoyed being together with them. Um, over the course of that time, Vendula went from being an atheist to a believer in Jesus Christ. That's a miracle because typically when you think of meeting a Czech, you think of a two to three to five year process from the time you meet them to the time they come to faith. And for her to do that over a 24, over a, what, a, a 12 month, that's three, four, four, three, four months, 12 week, three, three, four months, that is a At the same time, another guy was going through that and he professed that he was a believer. We're still not sure on him because he's got some, some, some mental disorders that it's hard to know where he really is. Uh, we also saw a teenage girl uh, come to genuine faith, and we saw a woman in her 30s come to faith, uh, mainly because of um, a Lego project. Her son, one of the members of our church, met her and invited her to church. She started coming. She saw the love that we had for one another, the respect we had for one another, came and helped with the Lego project, sent her son there, and in the process of all that, of meeting with us and talking with us together as a group in community, uh, but mostly through the work of Yergina, one of our church members, um, she came to faith. So here we are. In one year, we have seen four people profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In the previous years, since the fall of communism, 89, up until 2014, 2015, we had seen one profess Christ, baptized, and join the church. And now we had four people, four people waiting for baptism and joining the church. Three of them actually went, did that, were baptized and joined the church. That's more than we've seen in the previous almost 25 years. For us, that is the first fruits and the evidence that God has done a miraculous work in our midst. Remember the two rails. That one rail is now healthy. The rail of the church within ourselves, the, the relationships that we have with one another is once again healthy. The other thing that we did, um, and I'll back up, is M4. Oh, by the way, gotta get back here. The man in the middle, Gerhardt, his wife, was the founding pastor's daughter. And he put together the Kralupi Chronicles, which records the history of the church from the time his father-in-law founded the church up until about three years ago. We are deeply indebted to his service of recording God's faithfulness in our midst. Um, he is a dear brother. Pray for him as he's really struggling because they've been married for over 70 years, 71 years of marriage. Um, and we got to celebrate their 71st wedding anniversary this spring before we left. That was a joyous occasion. That was just wonderful. Most of us don't, we're happy if we live to be 71. You know, but they were married 71 years. Anyway, we're going through this training called uh, M4. It's from uh, Norway. And the basic focus is, first session is master. Jesus Christ is the master of our lives. He has the right to command us. All authority is given to him in heaven and on earth. On the basis of that, he has the authority to tell us what to do. And what he tells us to do is for our good. That's a cool thing. Second is mission. He has a mission. We heard about that this morning. He sends 
He sent the 70 or 72, whichever number you want to grab. He sent them out ahead of his face to proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the people in those towns and villages. That's his mission. He does not desire that God is not slack as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, is patient, not willing that any should perish. That's the mission of God. Not that any should perish in your neighborhood, in this county, in this state, in this country, in this hemisphere, in this world. Not one. He does not desire to see a single person go to hell. And he is passionate about that desire. He wants everyone to have that opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in a way they can understand and say yes or no. But he has called us to be part of that mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the people that he brings into our lives. Multiplication. We've heard about that this morning. And then a movement. When you think about it, Acts chapter 2, you have about 120 people in the 3,000 people come to faith all at once. Boom. That's a movement. And then it goes even further than that and faster than that as they go from house to house here and, and, and listen to the teaching of the apostles, breaking of bread together, and fellowshipping with one another. The church grew and multiplied. It was now a movement. It wasn't just adding a member or two every year or so. It was a multiplication process. So we learned how to do things together like the Lego project. Uh, which is cool. They set up a table in the shape of a cross, and the kids come, and over the course of a week in, after school, they build a Lego city. And then on the last day, which is a Sunday, they have a service where someone speaks about Jesus Christ, the founder and builder of our lives. Evangelistic service. And then they unveil the city, and everybody gets to go see it. You make contacts with families, and you have the chance to follow them up by developing personal relationships with them. Because ministry happens through relationship. Because that's what Jesus did, isn't it? He had a relationship, a close relationship with 12, but especially with three, and then a little, not quite as deep a relationship with the 70, and then there was the multitudes. Oh, as a result of this, they have begun a monthly Lego club where the kids come in and they build Legos, and they basically are just continuing with that. They have a Bible story, but the thing that draws them in is building Legos. And the kids come, and the parents come, and the parents will sit there. And so what we're trying to do, uh, I don't know if they're consistently doing, but the, the goal was is that the kids are there playing Legos and building these Legos and hearing the Bible stories, and others of us hang around with the parents who decide not to go away and have a cup of coffee and talk with them so that we make contact with the parents and get to spend time with the parents while the kids are building Legos. And it's working. Oh, yeah, and then it was getting so big and they had a few problems with where they were having it originally that they were looking for another place. So they checked into the one school where I was teaching English and um, originally they weren't going to give it to him and they said, well, we work with Jeff. She goes, oh, you work with Jeff? Fine, we'll give you a room. So now they have this nice big room where they can do the Legos in a public school. So that's what God's doing. Um, what is our desire moving forward? I'll put them all up there so you can see them. But this is what we desire. Um, oops, that too. Uh, but first and foremost, we want to make sure that we start at home by training our kids to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to improve on the to make reproducing disciples. Um, and it's not just enough that we make disciples, but we're looking, who is it that I need to have disciple me? Even at 60 years old, I am looking for people to help me take a step closer to Jesus Christ. 
Because that's the core of discipleship, is helping someone take a step closer to Jesus Christ, to be more obedient, to be able to be more obedient to Christ Jesus in all things. Because that's the way we express our love and our faith in him, is by obedience. It's not has nothing to do with our salvation. It's an expression of our love and our respect for our Savior, our obedience. Uh, completing the M4 training. They have one more session to do, so I keep in contact with them as they're going through that. We want to recruit more help for school ministry. Currently, we have four public schools that are looking for conversational English teachers. I can't do that many schools. But we're looking for four people who can come and spend a whole day, five to six hours every day, or one day a week, to teach conversational English cl classes in a public school, and then the rest of the week they can do, as their schedule allows, uh, English clubs with younger kids or even the same age kids. Um, we want to begin uh, a second teen club. Those kids are getting older, and they're going to become high schoolers. Some of them are high schoolers already. And right now the group's combined, but we need to split it so that we have a middle school group and a high school group. But we need checks who can lead those groups Pray for us that God would raise up workers to, to lead these two youth groups. Uh, Yana and her family have moved away, so Veronica's doing it by herself right now. Uh, so pray for us that God would raise up Czechs and Native North Americans to help with both a, junior, a middle school and a high school youth group. The kids are there. We just don't have leaders. The opportunity's there. Find a larger place for worship, as you can see in our service. It is now standing room only every Sunday. Uh, and that is an amazing thing because a year and a half ago, it was never a problem to find a seat. And now it's standing room only. Um, host the Corbin team in 2017. I was out there in October, the last week of October. They're sending another team. This year, they want to send 10 kids on a team, which means that if they do, we can have two groups of students attending different schools simultaneously. Uh, but we would need another leader besides myself to do that. So pray for this team as they prepare and as they raise up support to come because God is using them in a very special way to open up the hearts of the community and the region to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Follow up the students from the Corbin Ministries. Kids and 1,500 kids, 100 towns and villages, we don't have enough people to follow them up. Pray for people to help follow them up and a plan for us to know how to be able to do that effectively. Strengthen the church plants in Nebeklof and Mjelnik. Those are our sister church plants, their towns, uh, that the, the mother church desires to see become fully independent, self-supporting churches. Uh, the opportunity is there. We just don't have workers. Uh, I hope you're here in this common frame. We don't have enough workers. <laughs> so uh, if any of you feel the Lord is leading you into missions, talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastoral staff, to the missions committee. God may be calling you into missions. And the first place you begin is with your, with your pastor. And the second place, the other thing you need to know is that you better be doing the job here before you go over there. Paul and Barnabas were the two top people in the church in Antioch, and those are the two people God sent out. So pastoral staff, beware. Um, and then initiate new church plans. Our, our mother church has a vision to start new churches in regions where there are no evangelical churches. They desire to do that. They have the people. The people need to be trained. They have the finances to begin a few new ones. So pray for us as we work together and pray together and seek the Lord's face together that God would show us the way forward in 